welcome to Worst Best Sellers, where we read about a black widow in your Chardonnay, I mean fruit basket, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Nancy Drew number 111, The Secret at Solaire by Carolyn Keene. Joining us to discuss this cautionary tale about the dangers of MLMs is Kristen, former camp counselor and budding Nancy Drew expert. Hello. Hello, Kristen. Welcome. Welcome back to the podcast. I was so excited when you asked me to be on this one that Nancy Drew accidentally became my entire personality between now and then. Yes, perfect. That will make up for me being fairly Nancy averse, I'll say, to the point where when we were talking about like what to do for flashback summer and I was like oh Nancy Drew god I can't believe we haven't done Nancy Drew before and then I realized we did do Nancy Drew it's just it was one of the episodes that I missed because I was like I don't care about Nancy Drew like go ahead without me because I have to move so much long ago in the depths of podcast history there is a previous Nancy Drew episode that I forgot about and here we are (laughs) I didn't. And I went back and I listened to it because I want to make sure I'm bringing exclusively new Nancy Drew content. So I didn't want to repeat anything that had already been said. And also that was a Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys episode. So Nancy only got half as much time as I think she probably deserved there. Oh, thank God. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. God, in our early days of the podcast, we just really didn't think we were going to keep doing this podcast for eight years. So we were always like rushing to be like, well, we have to do, we have to do like two books in this episode. And now we're like, oh my God, like we use up all the twilights too soon. Like we got to pace ourselves because who knows how much longer we're going to do this. We could run out of books. So that flashback summer in particular, we were just afraid that there wasn't enough content in a single we, – we had yet to really understand that we can talk a lot um, about anything to fill a whole episode because our fear was that we wouldn't – there wouldn't be enough content in like a single Goosebump or a single Nancy Drew to fill a full worst bestseller episode and now – we have learned better. <laughs> know ourselves. Yes. Um, but see, so yeah, what I know about myself, and I say this all the time, is that I don't really get involved in, in mysteries. That's not a genre that appeals to me. And uh, yeah, so I never got deep into Nancy Drew. And I think, surely I must have read others, but this is really the only one that like sticks out strongly in my childhood memory is like, I remember reading this Nancy Drew and it's because... Uh, my mom like sent it to me in a little care package when I was at summer camp and it was kind of like, Oh, you're at camp and Nancy's at a weirdo desert spa. And that's sort of like being at camp. Here you go. And so that, I think this was, I'm sure this was the only Nancy Drew that I owned because of that. And so when, when we were talking to Kristen, like what Nancy Drew should we do? And I was like, well, you pick, you're the expert. And she foolishly kicked it back to me. Actually, you were like, oh, I think we should do one of the Nancy Drew files. Yes. You were like, we should do one of the Nancy Drew files. And I was like, oh, I read a Nancy Drew file. It was this. And you were like, this is not a Nancy Drew file. And I was like, oh, what is this? Because this is not technically a Nancy Drew either. It's a third thing. Well, it is a Nancy Drew. I'm actually... Again, this God is help. me allowing Nancy Drew to become my entire personality. I'm re-upping a YouTube channel I started during the lockdown. 
Um, And one of the things that I'm doing a deep dive into is all of the different iterations of Nancy Drew, because even as somebody who's been reading them since I was like in third grade, I had to go through and do some research about what they were because there are so many. So this is what they call a digest. And this is actually a, a new iteration of the original series. So like the old timey ones from the 20s, 30s, 40s. Okay. They kept going with those and they wanted to make them more accessible and paperback. And there was actually a whole lawsuit because it switched publishers. And I'm not even sure I totally understand all the details of the lawsuit. But when Simon and Schuster took it over, they had to fight to figure out what rights they had for what books they could and couldn't publish. And so this was one of them that came out after that lawsuit. So they couldn't use certain, like, I I think they couldn't do any sort of like the hardback yellow spine style that they had done with the previous publisher. So these are supposed Mm. to be reminiscent of the old ones, but more modernized. And then the Nancy Drew Files were what came after they ended the quote unquote original run. And those were meant to keep up with more like teen dramas so they are like reading a soap opera essentially with lots Mm -hmm. of heartthrobs and like if you look at the covers of the files there's nancy and then some hunk looking longingly at her while they're both in danger on every single (laughs) (laughs) love that for her Mm -hmm. so i also read this one as a kid i'm pretty sure I probably mentioned, Kristen probably will know better than than I currently do what I mentioned in the previous Nancy Drew episode, but like, I read a lot of these as a kid. They weren't my bread and butter the way kind of Babysitter's Club was, but my mom would like sometimes go, especially if I was sick, and just get like a handful of them from the library and I would buzz through them. And I am like 98% sure that I already read this one. I didn't remember a lot about it. But it, it like I, I wasn't like when I started it, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I read this, you know, this is the bad guy and this is what happens and this. But like as everything happened, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I do actually remember this having happened before. That's where I am with this book. What I remember is I was like, let's do the book I read at camp where um, there's a black widow spider in Nancy's fruit basket. And that's really the only plot point I remembered. But I remembered it so vividly. Although it turns out slightly incorrectly, but I was like very captivated by the the black widow spider in the fruit basket, which happens very early on in the book. And then uh, the other thing I remembered is Bess's weight loss journey, which we'll talk about. Oh, that reminds me. God, we just like jumped into Nancy. Okay, so if we mentioned it's flashback summer, it's flashback summer. We're returning to books of our childhood, blah, 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 blah. Uh, this book has a list, some light Nancy Drew level content warnings for like body image weight loss in a really unhinged kind of way. Um, and also some very weird ableism. So that's coming. Get ready. <laughs> and honestly, I feel like all of the Nancy Drew books kind of have to have that a little bit of that trigger warning just because. Bess, her one of her two best friends is always the fat one like literally she's cute and blonde and always trying to find a new diet but 
you know, loves food and they get, they give her a hard time. And this is series wide, like, Oh, and Bess wanted to go get ice cream. And they're like, Oh, Bess, you're the fat one. But then also Mm -hmm. Nancy is like, okay, but like I could go for ice cream. Nancy's never the fat one. It's just Bess, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's, that's established through the entire canon. Well, good for Bess. I mean, I'd probably hang out with her before Nancy. If she's like, let's go get pizza. And Nancy's like, let's go break into someone's house. Yeah, absolutely. Pizza is not a crime. Well, it's a little bit of a crime for me, but it's a crime I do engage in. (laughs) Lactate's a thing. The only the only victim of of the pizza crime for me is is me. So I had to kind of chuckle when I was thinking back to how I started with Nancy Drew books because I think my mom read like one and then was like, oh, I read these as a kid. Here, Kristen, you'll like these. And I had like one of the little kid Nancy Drew notebooks um, that's like the 60 page, like Nancy Drew's eight years old type of thing. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't super into that. But then I found them again, the Nancy Drew files the soap opera ones when I was in middle school and my sixth grade teacher was telling my mom like how great it is that I'm reading Nancy Drew because the vocab in these is so advanced. And she was obviously thinking they were the same as the original series. It was, you know, written (laughs) Uh, in the 30s. And my mom's like, oh, great. Let's get Kristen all these Nancy Drew books that she loves. And I'm like, yes, let me eat up this soap opera. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the one that I read first, too. It was like there was a moment where the near-death experience was somebody getting ready to inject air into Nancy's veins, and that would have killed her. And I was like... This is really serious shit. Like, I should keep reading these because this is what grown-ups read. Yes. <laughs> these are the things I need to be prepared for in my future. Right? This in quicksand. <laughs> oh, yes. I do think Black Widow spiders are up there with quicksand in terms of, like, childhood fears that turn out to be sort of, like, not really a big deal. Okay, you say that, but we met at camp where one of our counselor friends was bit by brown recluses while we were there. Like, <laughs> But that's brown recluse. I feel like that is a scarier spider than Black Widow. I guess anyway. I think of them as adjacent. On the color wheel. Yeah, black and brown. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Black Widow are the ones that, like, in media, everyone's always afraid of. But in real life, brown recluse is actually scarier. Yeah. But is less, you know, they don't have as good a marketing team, I guess. I don't know. But yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, okay. So that's that's Prelude on Nancy. I guess the other thing I should say is I read Nancy Drew in grad school because our I took a history of children's literature class. And we had to read, mm, I don't remember, one of the early ones. And we had to read, like, excerpts from the original publication. And then it, because it was, like republished to make it less racist so we read that version to and uh, that's all like nancy drew also has some like racist history and we're not going to talk about that because we're talking about solaire right now but we know about it so don't worry about it but if you (laughs) want me to talk about that i can talk at length because it is wild they changed those books insanely from just like quote unquote eliminating the racism yeah the racism was a big part of it (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah when was this one published like probably 1980 something right no i think when my mom sent it to me it was like hot off the presses because it oh. is from 1993 oh 
Okay. Well, yeah. And it is, it is certainly, <laughs> it's funny because in some ways it feels very like 80s, 90s fad diet, but I guess the fad diet wave never goes away because it also does feel like it maybe could be now also. Yeah. Yeah, and timeless. And the multi-level marketing of it all. And even, like, because 90s fashions are in right now, like, the fashions that I guess George and Nancy are wearing on the cover, like, these, like, long cuffed denim shorts and striped shirt that George is wearing, and then the leggings and oversized top on Nancy. Like, I could see cool young people wearing these today. And the phallic succulents. You did notice those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was so Hold distracted because there were two of them. I have to Google this cover. <laughs> it's really bad, too. Because Nancy great. is, like, climbing out of a window, and it's just, like, right there next to her. I don't know. Something about the placement of it makes it so much worse for me. Yeah. If you access this book on Hoopla, as I did, it is fucked up in Hoopla and has the cover of a different Nancy Drew book. I think it's fucked up on the entire internet because when I went to order my copy of this book, not a single place that I looked for, like, I usually go to get used books online and not a single place had the right cover associated with it. Oh, maybe they're trying to bury the phallic cactus. I wouldn't blame them. I am looking at it now and I can confirm that, like... These fashions are sadly back in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the headbands for sure. The headbands, yeah. The fashions are in. The succulents are in. Um, MLMs are in. <laughs> Unfortunately. So let's, should we get into it? Yeah. So this book, right off the bat, we are, if you don't know Nancy Drew, like, what are you doing? Because I don't like, I I know Nancy Drew and I barely have read any of them. But she is Nancy Drew. She is a detective. She has two friends. George is sporty and gay. But in this book, not canonically, but you get it. And uh, as established, Bess is fat. And those are her friends. And they are in the shuttle bus going to the spa Solaire in the desert. And they're chatting with other passengers. And they're like, oh, my God, spa Solaire is so exclusive and expensive. Like, how are you here? And Bess is like, I won a prize week stay because I sold the most Solaire products in the whole Midwest region. And then it reads like Spawn for Solaire products because the other passengers are like, oh, yes, it is easy to sell Solaire products because they're so good. Yes, Solaire products are the best. And they're just like hyping up Solaire moisturizers. And I loved it. <laughs> I was like, this is so dumb. I love it. <laughs> so as Rana said, Bess has won this trip and she won a trip for two. But because she couldn't decide between Nancy and George... The two of them decided to chip in and buy the third pass together. So all three of them could go together because they have to do everything together. So they get to Solaire. They make their way to their casita, mm-hmm. which is where they're all staying. Uh, and theirs is the furthest away from everything else. And they get there and there's a fruit basket waiting for them. And it has a fucking black widow spider in it, baby. Yes. I was going to say, I don't know if you caught the foreshadowing that Renata dropped (laughs) earlier in this episode. But as they're looking through their fruit basket, there is a box with a spider in it. And it is a black widow. And they freak out. And uh, luckily, 
Hank the ranch hand comes by and squishes it. Yes, Hank is the bus driver and the general like handy dude around the spa. He dresses and the horse like a man. And the horseman. He dresses like a cowboy and he is able to save them from the Black Widow spider. But Nancy, of course, immediately is like, ah, but I, as a detective, think that something bad could be happening here. And to be fair, by the way, when I remembered this, I remembered it as just sort of like a loose Black Widow spider in the fruit basket. But in fact, it is carefully placed in a small box that inside says Bienvenue to Spa Solaire. And so when you think about it, it's like, the perpetrator of these crimes, and I guess I won't spoil it right away, the perpetrator of these crimes had to go catch a black widow spider, carefully like inscribe beyond the new and fancy font, put it in the box, close the box, put it in the fruit basket. Like this is some like Etsy crime. <laughs> <laughs> I would read that book series. <laughs> <laughs> So later that day, they go to the main compound for the spa and they all take turns meeting with the doctor and having like a little welcome meal where the meal is nothing. It's like teeny tiny portions of food. Um, When they meet with the doctor, the doctor tells Nancy that she's perfect, but could work on her aerobics a little bit. But unfortunately, the doctor does tell Bess, who is constantly, as we mentioned, trying to lose five pounds, that she doesn't have to lose five pounds. She has to lose six pounds. She's such a porker. Six whole pounds. Like I mentioned, this was the other thing that was really formative to me. Like the concept of like someone like an individual pound mattering that much. Like it's not like, Oh, it was five pounds, but it was 10 now. Like I actually have to lose 10 pounds. Like she's not that fat. She doesn't need to lose 10 pounds. She needs to lose six pounds. Like I can't comprehend that, but that really, uh, like definitely stuck with me. Uh, not great. No, not great. The other the other thing that keeps happening in this one is that every time someone sees George, they're like, ah, you must love tennis. And George is like, I do love tennis, but I'm vaguely offended that you keep assuming that I love tennis. But so they they do decide to go out to the tennis courts uh, after the little tour and do some tennis because there are some pros who are on site who are doing a demonstration. And once they're done, George is like, yeah, like, let's do some tennis. I'll turn on the automatic tennis machine to throw some balls for us except that when nancy gets in position to hit some tennis balls what comes out of the automatic tennis machine is not tennis balls but rocks mm-hmm. and it's terrible uh mm. and a rock hits her and then they find george and george has been knocked unconscious yes and like dragged up into the desert and again like reverse engineering like this person had to like take the balls out put the rocks in hit george drag her away like where were the other people at this like how did how did they get away with it in broad desert daylight and it seems like it happened in the matter of like 30 seconds yes Yes. that is the part that really got it for me was that like in the time it took for this machine to turn on and start throwing tennis balls someone reloaded it with rocks knocked george unconscious dragged her away it it just seemed like a lot so nancy brings up the issues that they have been having at the spa with the staff but they're like oh it's not a big deal we have security 
nothing's happening. It's totally fine that our tennis machine threw rocks at you and your friend was knocked unconscious. And each time, like throughout this, every time something bad happens, Nancy goes to reception and is like, I must report this immediately. And every time they're like, oh my God, that's crazy. Like nothing like this has ever happened here before. And it's like, it's happened multiple times this day. Like your denial is losing plausibility each time. But they're every time they're like, nothing like that happens here. I don't know what to tell you. It's like they're fully gaslighting girl bosses at Solaire. <laughs> yes. And uh, Nancy mentions that she is a detective. And Kim, they're the nature guide, perks up at this and later on hands Nancy a note that she claims Nancy dropped and inside the note is a message from Kim that says, I need to talk to you about things that are going on here. And Nancy's like, ah, like, excellent. There is a mystery and I can help. And somebody is, someone on this staff wants my help. So the next day they are supposed to go on a nature hike with Kim. And Nancy's like, this is perfect. When we're on the hike, I'll find a time when I can get Kim alone and we can talk about whatever it is that's bothering her. And on their hike, Kim's like, oh, also, I'm a photographer, so I'm going to go take some photos. And Nancy's like, I, too, will go with you to take photos. And as they are taking photos, before Nancy can start talking to Kim about why she slipped her this note, a flash flood comes down and sweeps Kim away, maybe. And Nancy has to very quickly climb a tree to stop from being swept away by the flash flood. That they called a wall of water. A wall of water. Yeah, this is because, uh, I don't know if you've been following the clues, the villain of this is actually the sea god Poseidon. (laughs) (laughs) That would explain. I don't know. Something about the wall of water as the descriptor really, I had a hard time envisioning that. And maybe it's just because I haven't spent very much time in the desert. But is that like a thing? Like, do... I do think, like, flash floods are a problem in the desert because, like, the soil doesn't hold a lot of water or whatever. And then when it does rain hard, then it's like, oh, too much water. But the idea of, like, coordinating the the past rainfall, I don't know. I guess maybe Charitably the Villain simply took advantage of the timing for an extra bonus nefarious plan. But, like, what? (laughs) It just felt like all of a sudden, like, we needed this this thing to happen and it's like ah well of water like it, it it didn't seem to be raining it didn't seem to be anything it's just like now we're in danger no and after they're like oh it's because 10 hours ago it rained hard elsewhere and then the water like went up the creek and did this and that that i don't know about i do know that desert flash floods generally are an issue because of that but anyway it happened deal with it deal with it nancy <laughs> Um, so most of the rest of their group got off of the trail and were able to get to higher land more easily. So they decide they're going to go back and go for help. And before long, search and rescue come. And there's this one particular woman who is just... Oh, yeah. Melina is like the rich bitch. And I kind of love her. And she's like, um, are you here to rescue us? And then the search and rescue guys are rude to her. They're like, you don't seem like you need to be rescued. And it's like, they were all just affected by this flood, actually. But Nancy quickly points out that Kim, their guide, is missing and probably does actually need to be rescued. So they start looking for her and send everybody else back to the spa. But on their as they are 
sort of picking through the remains of the flood on their way back towards the spa. Bess does find Kim's camera, like in the mud. So they are able to get the camera and get the film inside seems to be still okay. So they head back to the spa and and I thought this was going to have bigger repercussions than it did. It did not have repercussions. They they're hesitant to send the camera film out through the spa because the spa's like we can get the film developed or you can like hike 14 miles into town and have it developed there. And so they're like, okay, well we're really nervous that like the spa someone who works here is in on all of these disasters. So this could be a bad idea, but I guess we don't want to hike 14 miles to get it done in town. So we'll just have the spa do it. And it's fine. They send the photos back and they seem to be fine. And it's like cheerful too, when they give them back, like she, she hunts them down. It's like, Oh, your pictures are here. Aren't you excited? Like it's never mentioned again. Yes. They do get a clue from the photos, but the spa people don't give a shit about the film. Yes. And that that's what I was when they were like, oh, yeah, you know, the spa people. I was waiting for the moment when they were going to be like, there's pictures missing. Like, I can tell. But there wasn't. Anyway. Which arguably would have been a better subplot. Yeah. Yeah. The spa people aren't trained detectives, so they would not have noticed the clue that Nancy noticed. So they were like, these photos are fine. <laughs> So they have to, you know, go through their regular spa routines despite this disaster. So they all have to go to the gym to do their workouts and strength training that is assigned to them at this spa. Bess is in love with the trainer, Alan, and his, like, training routine for her she like gets obsessive about doing the exercise that he assigns to her and while they are in the weight room at one point a cable on one of the weight machines snaps and one of the people who's at the spa pulls a tendon or something in her arm because of it and you know it's it's yet another terrible thing that has happened and upon further examination of it nancy sees that the like cable for the weight machine has been cut clear through not frayed or anything so someone has clearly done this on purpose and alan insists that he checked the machines and they were fine before this strength training class and he had nothing to do with it and no one really seems to to accept that the cord was cut, even though it very clearly was. Mm-hmm. He was the one who also checked the tennis ball machine that sent rocks at George, too. Or at yes. Nancy, too. Okay. Yeah, because nothing like this happens at Spa Solaire. Nothing. Well, okay. So, question about his name. Because in the book I was reading, it was spelled A-L-A-I-N. So, I was thinking it was Elaine. But like a man, did did either of you listen to it or, or is, is that a way to spell Alan? I think it's French for Alan. Oh, because the whole stuff is French. Yeah. I listened to it, but I didn't listen to an audio version. I had the accessibility speaker on my my phone read it to me. So I've pulled up a video how to pronounce Elaine. Okay. According to this YouTube video, French names pronunciation guide were all wrong and it's Alan. Alan. Okay. Alan. All right. But you yeah, apparently had a French Canadian accent too. Yeah. His his friends call him Al. <laughs> so they don't, but we can call him Al because we're American. 
dirtbags. So they have had a hard day where no one believes that anything is going wrong at the spa. And Bess is like, in, is, has really gone totally unhinged about doing her routine and losing her six pounds and is like tracking down to like ounces how much weight she's lost. It's Bess is doing eating disorder behaviors in a yes. way that's not like really properly addressed and then also immediately reverts away at the end of the book so yes okay but also didn't they say there was like some energy drink or something that she was drinking while she was there oh yeah the the spa prescribed her like a meal replacement drink or something and nancy's like is that safe and Bess is like um the doctor at spa solaire says it is so yeah because I thought this was going to be like a very special episode, like on Saved by the Bell, where Jesse states starts taking steroids for the volleyball team, where Beth gets like <laughs> jacked. But then, like, it's not addressed by the end of the book. I thought it was going to be like part of the multi level marketing is that they have this supplement shake or something. And that's why Bess was going, going, because it seemed like there were like half the people there were really into it and were going strong, and the other half weren't and were complaining that the meals were too small. So I was really expecting a subplot where they were like putting unsafe chemicals in some sort of drink and that was a thing that I made up entirely in my brain throughout this entire book yeah it's another like thing that that would have maybe made this book better because yeah like it is that's exactly what people there's a bunch of people there who are like super into it there are others who aren't um like Bess gets mad at Nancy and George because Nancy snuck in secret chocolate bars and they're eating them and she's like, no, like, I can't betray my diet. And my act, like, she starts, like, waking up early to do exercise. And they're like, best, this is very unlike you. And she's like, no, I got to lose those six pounds. So it, it did feel like diet culture crazy. But it, I guess that was just the 90s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, so they decide they want to do a spa day. So they use the spa facilities and they get, like, facials and massages and... While they're there, Melina, the rich person they're, from the city. You, you can say rich, bitch. You can say it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, that's... I wasn't not saying it on purpose. <laughs> you just, like, paused, and I was like, she's a she's a bitch, and I, let, and I respect her. <laughs> she comes in, and she's like, what are you doing? Mud mask? Can I have one to go? And they're like, no, you have to do mud masks for here. And she's like, okay. And then she's like, never mind. And she, like storms out and nancy's like wow i think melina just needs a friend to talk to and nancy also gets the photos that she had had developed back and in it there's one photo where you can see someone in the background you can't see who it is but you can see like the arm of their shirt and it's right before Kim disappeared and the flood happened. So they think that this is a clue. So they decide they're going to see if anyone who works at the spa has a shirt that matches the pattern of the plaid and that maybe they're involved because it's possible that Kim has been kidnapped and was not swept away by the flood, but that this is part of whatever it was that she was going to tell Nancy about. And it, it's a flannel shirt. And they're like, no one wears flannel in the desert. It's too hot. But what if someone did wear flannel? Well, it would probably be Hank the Horseman. Yes. They rule out a bunch of people and decide that Hank is a good candidate. And they figure out that he lives 
on the property. So they're, so Nancy's going to break into his home. And this, like, the fact of this being the 111th book, like, really makes some of the errors the girls make, like, really ridiculous. Like, it's not your first rodeo. It is your 111th rodeo. And you're out here wearing, like, loose accessories for your B&E job, Nancy. Get it together. You should know now. Like, everywhere you go, you should be packing, like, a navy blue cat suit and like a beanie hat to disguise your features. What the fuck are you doing? Okay. It's actually funny that you say a beanie because I was watching the first season of the Nancy Drew TV show on the CW. And you can tell, even if they don't say in the the show that she's going to break in somewhere, but she puts on a black beanie as like (laughs) a warning to the audience that she's going to be breaking in somewhere. And so that was actually what I started my YouTube channel doing was just commenting on those videos. And I referred to it as her beanini. And I'm pretty pleased (laughs) with myself. (laughs) Yes. But she did not have that at Solaire, unfortunately. Yeah, and she's like, girl, what are you doing? Like, she's probably wearing exactly the outfit you see in the cover of the book where she is doing her B&E at this, like, very low-to-the-ground window that is a weirdly designed house. But anyway, she does. She breaks into Hank's house and finds the shirt, but also loses her dumb bracelet inside his house. But more important even than the shirt is that she notices some artifacts from Hank's past, including some old newspaper clippings that talk about a woman named Heather Sinclair who was an equestrian who was blinded by unsafe makeup from this French company and her father, Henry, who had to sell his ranch in order to pay for her trial, her her suing the company. And they did win their case, but the company disappeared before they could pay out the settlement. And... Nancy is like, hmm, maybe Hank is sometimes the nickname for Henry. Maybe these things are connected. So yes, she she gets some important clues about what is possibly going on and then immediately calls her father and asks him to do some research for hey, her. Yeah, I, I would like to do a mini dramatic reading of the full text of the phone call to her dad. <laughs> Hi, dad. Yes, we're all fine. I was wondering if you could do a little research for me. I need to know anything you can find out about a French cosmetics company called Janus and an American girl from Tucson named Heather Sinclair, who was blinded by one of their products. Also, anything you can find on Jacqueline and Laurent Roger. And then and then it, it says like she t- chatted for a few minutes and they hung up. But like basically she's calling her dad and, be like, and just like giving him a little info dump and then like, well, bye. And then he calls back later that night. And this is 1993. So, like, he couldn't just Google it. But he is like, yes, I have found many relevant details for you. Here you go. Love you, daughter. Goodbye. Maybe he has, like, you know, secret lawyer Google. Secret lawyer Usenet. He got an alt.lawyer.stalking. I don't know. He did it. He made his paralegal run to the library and do all this research so that he could call his daughter back on her vacation and tell her Mm -hmm. all this information. Mm-hmm. But yes, so they they have all of this new information. They think that Hank is probably the one who might be behind this. And then they find out that Kim has sent a letter to the spa and has basically been like, hi, everyone. Wow, that flash flood was scary. I ended up far away and it made me rethink my life. So I'm quitting my job and never coming back. Bye. <laughs> and 
They're like, so so the case is closed. Kim is fine. And Nancy's like, this doesn't feel weird to you that that you think that's normal. You think this is she didn't come back and get her stuff or anything. She's just OK. Sure. And obviously thinks that it is fishy. And they later are doing another exercise day where they're running around the spa grounds. And how did you pronounce the name again? Alon? Uh, yes. Or just call him Al. Al. Okay. Al is <laughs> particularly <laughs> nagging Nancy for her inability to keep up with the run that they're all on. And so she gets so mad at him that she sprints the last few steps. And as she's crossing the finish line, which is the opening gates of the spa there's a big crash behind her and it turns out that the sign for the spa which had been hanging up over this archway has fallen and nearly could have killed her and the person behind her and she shows al that the strips of rawhide that kept it tied to the arch have been cut through and he has to admit that this is like the second time in two days that something like this has happened and something bad is clearly happening here. Mm -hmm. Another general thing about the vibes of the spa is that Nancy's snooping is constantly being curtailed because staff is always escorting her from places. And she's like, what are we like prisoners here? And they're like, no, but safety is important to us. So you need an escort. And she's like, but I thought bad things didn't happen here. And they're like, yeah, it's because of the escorts that nothing bad happens here. And it's really, I mean, if if you think about it, it's just like a microcosm of the police state. <laughs> uh, so Nancy has, at one point that I forgot to mention, looked up Kim's mother's phone number and called her and been like, hey, Kim's mother. Hi, it's me, Nancy Drew. Have you heard from Kim lately? Okay, bye. And... Uh, her father calls her back first and she thinks that it's going to be Kim's mother, but it's not. And he tells her about the lawsuits and everything that had happened with Heather Sinclair and another young girl who had gotten like disfigured from using the the moisturizer. Yeah, the moisturizer from this other French cosmetics company. Janus. Janus. And that she and Heather Sinclair, who was blinded by using the mascara, had both sued and they had won and their settlement had never been paid out because Janus disappeared, as did the folks who were running it. And there's a good chance that they could be, you know, because those people also disappeared, that they could be, you know, these people who are now running Solaire. And Nancy's like, good work, dad. Thanks for the assist on this one. Bye. And then... Kim's mother does call back and immediately is like, have you, Nancy's like, have you heard from Kim? And her mom's like, yeah, she said that she needed to rethink her life. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, where did she call from? And she's like, oh, I, I, she didn't say, I guess Tucson, because that's kind of like the nearest big city to where the spa is. And Nancy's like, not Phoenix. And her mother's like, oh God, no, Kim hates Phoenix. And the letter had very specifically said, you know, I'm going to go to Phoenix to rethink my life and my choices and go to some museums. Mm -hmm. And so Nancy's like, so she wouldn't have gone to Phoenix to go to museums. And then her mom's like, no, she hates museums, too. She hates Phoenix and museums. Why would you ever suggest she would do that? 
And it, do you know that meme that goes around that's like, what would you like tweet or post if you'd been kidnapped and you wanted to like signal that something was wrong? And it, it's very funny to me that somebody's version of that would be like, I love Phoenix, Arizona and museums. Like, because <laughs> mine is always like, whenever that goes around, mine is like, wow, Duarte is such a big, ugly boy. If I ever, if I ever post that, send help. What about you guys? What would your coded I love Phoenix message be? The last time that that meme went around that I remember, I specifically remember saying that mine would be something to the effect of like, Dear Evan Hansen is great and I am totally fine with the results of the 2017 Tony Awards. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's in a chill down my spine. (laughs) (laughs) I think mine would be, oh, I just watched the movie License to Wed a f- another time and I'm so happy with my life decisions. Wait, I don't I don't know that movie. What is it? Oh, it's so bad. It has Robin Williams, Mandy Moore, and John Krasinski in it. Oh, I vaguely remember this coming right, out. Right, because it wasn't it- worth remembering. But yeah. I managed to have to see it three times when it was what? in movie theaters. What? Yes. Look, I was starting college. It, I was I was learning social situations, and it just mm-hmm. ended up that way badly. So now I have like an intrinsic hatred for that movie, no matter no matter the situation. So if if yes, also I as somebody who's been married twice and never had a wedding, wedding mm-hmm. movies are not my mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my call for help. License to okay. Wed. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. If I ever see that come up, I will call 911. (laughs) I'm glad I put this out there, though, because I'm not sure my hatred for that movie is as well known as it should be. Yeah, I I had no idea. Okay, I'm glad we had this talk. So anyway, Kim needs help because she would never go to a museum in Phoenix. Yes. So obviously she's been kidnapped. Yes. And so they're like, oh, well, who could it be who is on the staff? Like, they're still like, like, they sort of think it's Hank, but they're also kind of like, it could be someone else. We don't know. The problem is everyone is so suspicious because they're all French and you know how French people are, especially to Americans in the 90s. Yes. Terrifying. So the next day they're going on a field trip to like an old timey part of Tucson that has like real food and real shops and things in it. And they're very excited because they can eat regular food. And while they're there, there's a movie filming there that's filming like a a scene where a stagecoach goes off a cliff and Nancy is snooping around and gets knocked upside the head and wakes up when she is in the back of a stagecoach tied up and she can hear the instructions for the stagecoach from the stunt people being like okay well set it on fire and then send it off the side of the cliff and she's like ah shit so she does manage to make her way out of the stagecoach uh and she does ruin the the shot for the director who's very mad about it and then mm-hmm. nancy's like also hi i'm a teenage girl who's going to be murdered in the back of your stunt thing yep and then it gets it goes so off the rails in a way I didn't remember any of this like I to the point where I'm sure that I finished reading this because that's the kind of kid I was like if you give me a book I would read the whole thing but this it didn't seem familiar to me at all in the way that fruit spider did this car so there's there's this thing where the girls see Hank getting away 
So they're like, we need to follow him. They steal a car from Al. And then, like, because they're like, oh, maybe he's in on it, too. But then it's revealed that he actually, he's not a trainer. He's a bodyguard that was hired by the people running the spa to protect them because they were being blackmailed. And he was supposed to figure out who the blackmailer was because they thought it was someone on staff. And he ends up sort of like teaming up with Nancy, but sort of not because he's like, ah, like you ruined everything. I was like building a case against this blackmailer because we knew it was Hank, but we needed proof. But you fucked it up by meddling. And she's like, oh, well, if you're so smart, like you guys didn't even know that Kim was kidnapped. You thought that she went to Tucson to go to or went to Phoenix to go to museums like a fool. And he's like kind of grumbly about that and they together he's like okay well i know where hank's other secret house is so let's go up to his other secret house and see if we can find any clues there and they do go to his other secret house and nancy goes into the basement she's able to pick the lock for the basement and they find kim there and they're like yes we can now prove that she's been kidnapped, except that Heather Sinclair, the equestrian blinded by the French mascara, who is Hank's daughter, locks them all in the basement together in the dark so that they have to understand the darkness that she feels all the time forever. Yeah. And this is where, remember when I said it gets real ableist? Here, here we are. Here we are in it. Because, like, the state of being blind has, like, fully made her, like, I mean, insane, it, which in, in the parlance of the book, like, she is insane. And she is just, like, this cartoon villain who's like, hee hee hee, like, I'm blind and now I have no reason to live because my life as a blind person is so miserable. And it's like, like, blind people have satisfying and fulfilling lives. And it's fine. Like... Also, it seems to have made her like so fully unhinged that she's like, I if you if I hear you trying to escape in there, I will burn the whole house down. Yeah, because she's like, I don't care if I die because my shitty life of as a blind woman is I might as well just like kill myself in this fire too. Like, ma'am, what? And they seem to introduce her like legitimately out of nowhere like I didn't know maybe I missed something but I didn't know she was in the house I didn't even realize that she was going to be a character in this book because they'd already introduced like 14 other characters and all of a sudden I heard her voice when I was reading it in like the wicked witch of the west because she was so like I'm gonna get you too my pretties <laughs> and then you hear the match light over the top of them it was so bizarre like it felt like it was out of a cartoon or a different series altogether yeah it was a like we knew that she existed because nancy had found the clippings when she was doing her b and e but it was a surprise that she was in the because when they go into the house like they think the house is empty and then they are all in the basement so i think the implication was maybe that she was out of the house doing her evil blind girl shit and then she came back in and realized they were in the basement i don't know it's wild yeah, so they are like, oh, well, we're trapped in the basement now. We have one flashlight, but the batteries aren't great. They do find that, conveniently, Hank has stored all of his evil documentation in the basement, mm -hmm. um, along with his kidnapped charge, his his hostage. So they do learn a lot. They do get to, like, do some some 
info dumping to the audience about what has been going on. And they well and then they are like oh no we'll never be rescued because this house is like so in the middle of nowhere like what are we gonna do and then they start like tunneling through the ceiling because he conveniently left tools down there like what did they say a hammer and a crowbar and nancy's like well these aren't the perfect tools but like i guess this will do i'm like are you serious if you're trying to get out of somewhere like a crowbar is probably tool number one that most people would ask for i feel like yeah, yeah, and since they can't go at the door because if she hears them trying to bang on the door, she will burn the house down. Uh, like Kristen said, they tunnel through the ceiling by pulling off planks of wood and then like slipping out to get the cops. But it turns out that who was George was with them and Bess called the cops? Yes. Yeah, that Bess and the cops had, even though... Al was completely convinced that no one would ever be able to find this house in the woods. Uh, They were able to find the house in the woods, it turns out. Which, side note, I do feel like this was kind of interesting. Bess wasn't with them for reasons. I can't remember why. But she was kind of mad because she had a crush on Al and sort of thought that Nancy was looking for mysteries where there weren't any just because like she likes to solve a mystery and i did think that that was kind of an interesting conflict that that mm-hmm. potentially could have come up a hundred other times but but i do like that they included that here yeah but the problem is it's only because bess is like fully brainwashed by the spa and diet culture yeah, they could have dove deeper into that Nancy's like own psyche there and, and made that more interesting, but they only had 150 pages. Yeah, yeah. So they get rescued and Hank implies that there is some other terrible thing that he has set up that will happen because there's like one day left of spa week, but no one will believe Nancy when she says like, no, he has something else planned. And they're like, no, like we would never, we would never allow that. Our security's too good. Uh, And it turns out he did have something planned. And what he had planned was that he had somehow switched out all of their big cardboard, like, posters posters for their big uh, MLM push the next day where they're like, buy our products. Here's how great they work. Here's pictures of people using them. And had switched a bunch of them out with pictures of uh, Heather and the woman who had been disfigured by the products and mm-hmm. like the court case and things that make it clear that the people who are running the spa are also the people who were running the old French cosmetics company. And uh, that was his, his, his grand finale for sabotaging and blackmailing this spa uh, and everybody sees it and everybody knows that these products are bad and that they did this bad thing. And it turns out that Melina, the rich girl, is the sister of the person who got disfigured using the products. And that's why she's there. because She was working with Hank in order to do this last presentation and bring down this company. Let me read aloud Melina's mini villain monologue. I'm fine. The ones who are not fine are the people who believe that Janus cosmetics were safe. You ruined my sister's modeling career. She's the girl in that poster with the badly damaged skin. She's still living in seclusion in France, afraid to show the world her face. And you blinded Heather Sinclair. She held up a picture of the sightless girl and showed it to the crowd. Everyone gasped. 
And there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, again, if you have a facial disfigurement, like obviously people can be dicks about it, but like you don't have to go live in seclusion. Like, I mean, unless you want it to live in seclusion, which I do feel like a lot of people would, but this girl does not. She's afraid to. Yes. And then to show up a photograph of a blind person, I mean, how do you know from the photo that she's blind? I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> but the crowd gasps. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess like sometimes if you look at a blind person, like their eyes are not like focused, obviously, but like, I don't know. I don't know if you would necessarily look at a photo and be like, damn, that girl's blind. <laughs> anyway, um... And, okay, the other thing that really gets me is that Bess is like, oh, my God, I can't believe I've been, like, involved in this evil MLM selling these products that, like, maybe blinded people. And Nancy says, Solaire products may be perfectly safe. The regulations in this country are pretty strict. Like, Nancy, are they? (laughs) And then, besides, Laurent doesn't strike me as the kind of man who makes the same mistake twice. Laurent, who's, like, running the spa and, like, constantly being like, no, there's no problems here. Everything's fine. Like, Nancy, what on earth has given you such trust in, like, A, these evil French people, and B, the American FDA? Neither of those are particularly trustworthy. It's true. Maybe in the 90s they were. (laughs) May, may and uh, by the way and i'm not saying this in a like weirdo anti-vaxxer way but just in a like most like supplements and stuff don't actually like need fda approval and like whatever like i i believe in science but i don't trust nancy drew's patriotic tendencies science, but you don't necessarily trust the government thank you anyway um what and then the book ends with Earlier, Nancy revealed that she had packed some hidden chocolate bars and she and George eat one. And then at the end, Bess is like, wow, what a trip. You got more chocolate. And Nancy's like, yep. And then it ends. Yep. But they do make a point to let us know that Bess lost, what, like three and a half pounds while she was there? Yeah. Which, like, okay. Okay. <sighs> um, yeah. So this, again, the it was formative for me. And it was a quick read. Like, it's not that long. And there's kind of the James Patterson school of, like, many chapters with cliffhangers. And you're like, gasp. Like, well, how's she going to get out of this? And then the next chapter, you're like, oh, that's how she got out of it. <laughs> so, like, it's a quick read. I think, to me, what it drove home to me is that, like, none of these characters are, like, funny. Like, these aren't books that have a real sense of humor about them. They're very, like... Here's here's a mystery, and I like sports, and I like chocolate, and like I do the mystery, and like I I'm obviously these books are like very popular, very influential, blah blah. blah but like, there's not a lot for like my reading sensibilities to like grab onto here. And some of the moments that I thought were gonna be like comedic relief. I think it was one of those things where I was laughing in the movie and nobody else was like when Al jumps on the hood of the car and all of a sudden feels like she ran him over. Like, Oh no, that was supposed to be like, we're in an action movie. Got it. Yeah. 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 It feels like for this particular book, a lot of the comic relief was perhaps intended to be around like 
best losing weight and like oh yeah you know like best ah like you know there's best pretending like she's gonna keep up this diet and things like that like that just aren't actually funny you're right i didn't even think of that yeah well and then everybody's like george likes tennis like that seemed to be yeah quote-unquote joke i did i i did get uh you know not like an out loud chuckle but a little mental chuckle when george is like why does everyone keep one of the many times george is like why does everyone keep thinking that i like tennis and nancy's like well you are wearing a full tennis outfit (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) (sighs) um yeah anyway should we move on to back readings anybody else have things to say about the book at this point actually you know what i just scrolled up in the doc i have one thing i want to say uh, just another like wild thing to unpack. So w- during the reveal that Al is a bodyguard and not technically the spot thing, uh, Nancy says, I knew you weren't a real trainer. And Al says, no, but my father was one for a college football team. I grew up in France with an exercise regimen that makes Solaire's routine look like an afternoon nap. Like, sorry, a French college football team. I, do you mean for, do French people call football soccer? Like, is it that like, what the fuck are you talking about? But also his dad was the trainer, not him. Yeah. Also, yeah. Being a trainer is not hereditary. Like you, you didn't get that. But like your dad was on was the coach of a French college football team, or else the dad was in America while Al grew up in France without his dad. In which case, how is the dad's profession at all relevant to his skills? It just this book. It you know in the way that like some of these like long running series where the, a new one was coming out every month it really like feels like we're in some like monkeys on typewriter shit like what are we talking about here <laughs> <sighs> anyway yeah dramatic readings I will read the part that has lived rent free in my memory for years and years and years and now it can be in yours maybe if you want. And this is from right at the beginning. Like, the girls have just checked into Solaire and arrived at their casita and observed a fruit basket. I want some fruit, Bess declared, eyeing the fruit basket. She shook her head ruefully. I'm not even here an hour and already I'm starved. She walked over to the fruit basket and selected a large orange. Hey, what's this? She said, taking a small wooden box from the basket. Here, Nance. Bess tossed the box to Nancy and began to peel the orange. You open it. Nancy lifted the lid on the box and dropped it with a muffled scream. What is it? George asked, running over. A a spider, Nancy stammered, her heart racing. It's a lot smaller than you are, George pointed out with a shrug. What's the big deal? It's a black widow, Nancy told her. Are you sure? George asked. Nancy nodded as she glanced down at the poisonous spider. It was definitely a black widow, edging over the lip of the box. At the bottom of the box was a note, written in delicate, elegant script. Bienvenue, it read. Welcome to Spa Solaire. And that, th- this is a chapter cliffhanger. That's the end of chapter one, into chapter two. The black widow scrambled over the side of the box and moved toward George with unnerving speed. It's just a spider, George said, sounding as if she were trying to calm herself. Get back, Nancy cried. The venom from that thing is worse than a rattlesnake's. Isn't it supposed to have a red hourglass marking on its stomach? Bess asked in a shaky voice. She had moved quickly to the opposite side of the room. 
I don't think we want to turn it over to find out, Nancy said. I'm sure it's a black widow, though. I've seen them before. She looked up as a knock sounded on the door. It's Hank Meter, a man's voice called out. I brought your luggage. Nancy kept her eye on the spider as Bess opened the door. What on... Hank began as he saw the terrified expressions on the girls' faces. Oh, he said as his eyes went to the spider. The spider scuttled out across the floor and Hank quickly stepped on it. That shouldn't have happened. All of the buildings here are sprayed for insects, but sometimes they get inside anyway. Okay. Okay, Hank. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) By the way, at least we didn't have a scene where anyone had to suck venom out of somebody else's uh, arm. That is true. We did dodge that that this time. Yeah. (laughs) I am next. I'm going to read uh, the letter from Kim and then Nancy's conversation with Kim's mother. I summoned you because we have received word from Kim Foster, Jacqueline began. I've already told the staff the news, and I'm speaking to the other guests in the morning, but I know how particularly concerned you three have been. Did search and rescue find her? George asked eagerly. No, but there was no need, Jacqueline explained. We received this letter from her today. She held out a typed letter to Nancy, who read the letter aloud to her friends. Dear Jacqueline and Lorraine, I just wanted to let you know that I am fine. I was swept downstream in the flood, but I managed to make it to safety. Still, nearly drowning is an upsetting experience, especially for a wilderness expert. I need some time to think things through, so I will not be returning to Solaire. I'm going to spend the next few weeks in Phoenix visiting museums and taking in the sights. I'd appreciate it if you could hold my mail and things until I return. All the best, Kim Foster. Nancy reread the letter silently. Something about it didn't sound right. Are you sure that's Kim's signature? She asked the Rosaires. Of course, Lorenz said. In fact, I will prove it to you. He went over to a wooden filing cabinet and pulled out a typed form and handed it to Nancy. It was Kim's original job application. The signature was identical to the one on the letter. So then we skip forward in time a couple days. Later that afternoon, Nancy, Bess, and George were changing into swimsuits back in the casita when the phone rang. I'll get it, Nancy called. Ms. Drew, said an unfamiliar voice. This is Ruth Foster. You left a message for me. Yes, Nancy said. Your daughter Kim sent a letter to the Rosaires yesterday, and I was wondering if you had heard from her as well. Well, as a matter of fact, she called yesterday morning, Kim's mother answered. I was so relieved to hear her voice. Where did she call from? Nancy asked curiously. Tucson, I suppose, Mrs. Foster replied. I live about 60 miles south of the city. Kim told me she'd been caught in the flood but was washed onto dry land. The flood left her pretty bruised, and it took her a while to get back to civilization. Thank goodness she's so at home in the desert. Did Kim say where she was going? Nancy asked. No, but she told me she'd quit her job at the spa because she needed some time off. I guess she was anxious to get to Phoenix, Nancy said. That's what she wrote in her letter. Phoenix? Mrs. Foster echoed. Are you sure? That's what the letter said, Nancy said. But my daughter can't stand Phoenix, Mrs. Foster said. She calls it Congestion City. Her letter said she wanted to see the museums, Nancy explained. Museums? Now Mrs. Foster's voice was edged with astonishment. I haven't been able to get that girl inside a museum since she was 10. Kim's always been too restless to spend much time indoors. She's not happy unless she's hiking up a mountain or camping under the stars. Museums. Why, surviving that flood must have changed her whole way of thinking. 
I just don't understand it. Uh, yeah. So there we go. Museums. Kim, known museum hater. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to read the section where we see them actually enjoying parts of the spa life. She found George and Bess in one of the outdoor jacuzzis. Come join us for a sec, Bess called out. This water is so relaxing. How did your talk with Jacqueline go? George asked. What did she say about Kim? The woman didn't pay attention to a word I said, Nancy replied. That's terrible, Beth said. Nancy sighed. I know. So how was your afternoon? I went riding, Beth reported, and Hank was very nice. He's great with the horses. He told me he used to own his own ranch. Just like Henry Sinclair, Nancy thought. Then I went back to the gym and had a fitness session with Elaine Allen. (laughs) Beth went on. Guess what? I've lost another three quarters of a pound. And I had a tennis game with Lisette, George said. She's an incredible player. Nancy felt a sudden twinge of regret. Now that you guys are having a good time here, I hope I haven't blown it for all of us. What do you mean? Bess asked. I took a chance confiding in Jacqueline, Nancy said. She and Laurent are definitely trying to hide something, and now she knows I'm onto them, so I'm probably not her favorite guest at the moment. I just hope that I don't make things difficult for you two. We'll be okay, Jess assur- George assured her. If we can survive Elaine and the, the rabbit food they feed us here, we can survive anything. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's move on to reader's advisory to suggest some things to read instead of or in addition to the secretette. So there. And uh, Kristen, let's start with you. You're well prepared for this. Yes. Okay. So the first thing, there's a podcast called It's a Clue, where it's two sisters who read, they start from the beginning of the original Nancy Drew series, and they read one book for each episode, and then just sort of analyze it. And they're particularly interested in like, the food that they talk about in those because there's a ton of food. And they just have a really good dynamic between them. So I think that one's a lot of fun. And occasionally, they'll do other like mystery books that aren't Nancy Drew specific. And then there is an entire line of Nancy Drew, like, point-and-click mystery games. They're kind of low-tech, but they're a ton of fun. And actually, there's been a lot of hype lately because they've announced a new one coming out soon. And the last one that they did was kind of a bust. So everybody's really excited for the new one because it looks like it's going to be kind of good. But I would suggest Secret at Shadow Ranch if you want to pick up with any of those video games. That's sort of a fan favorite. Uh, but be sure to avoid midnight, midnight in Salem because that is unarguably the worst of them. <laughs> um, then there's they were mentioning like just the desert itself they went through and were doing a ton of like, oh, here's this type of cactus. And I didn't realize it would look like this. And there's a YouTube channel called Crime Pays But Botany Doesn't that is just this grumpy Chicago, like native Chicagoan with like the thick Chicago accent who just goes out and looks at plants in the desert. And I don't know if he's like a somebody trying to protect these plants or propagate them or what he does, but like he will just go through and show you all of the plants and be grumpy about people on motorbikes in the desert. And it's <laughs> delightful. Like he has a, a ruler tattooed on his index finger so he can like measure the plants as he's out there even. Wow. Yeah, it's great. 
Um, and then finally, an actual Nancy Drew book. They did a graphic novel. It's, it's I, I don't know if they did it as like a series. I know there's a couple of them, but I don't know if it's still going. But the first one is called um, The Palace of Wisdom. And it's by Kelly Thompson. And then it's um, the art is done by Jen St. Ange, O-N-G-E. And this one I really like because they modernized a lot of the Nancy Drew things. So like George actually gets to be a lesbian in these and like wow. they show her her long-term girlfriend in there and they use technology and the Hardy Boys are in there. And it's just, it's a very charming update. Nice. Excellent. A related book that I haven't read yet. It's pretty new, but I, I just read about it. I want to read it. And uh, it's called Hey Hun. Sales, Sisterhood, Supremacy, and Other Lies Behind Multi-Level Marketing by Emily Lynn Paulson. And I would like to read that, and I would like best to read it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And this also makes me think, there's a Sweet Valley High book where Jessica gets involved in a shady MLM, and I rem- again, I remember this very vividly. Like, she's selling, like, facial, like, mud masks and products. And then they all immediately expire. And if you read the fine print, it says you're supposed to refrigerate them. And she's like, but it's like to buy in, I had to buy too many. It wouldn't fit in the fridge. And also like who refrigerates their facial products. And then her dad's a lawyer and he like threatens to sue this MLM company. And that was satisfying. And I think that Mr. Wakefield should like take on more MLMs personally. Also, the first season of the Dream podcast, I'm sure everyone is listening to it at this point, but it does go deep into MLMs. And actually, the second season, I believe, goes deep into supplements. Yes. So those are both relevant to this. Absolutely. Um, If you want more mystery books, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. There's tons of mysteries. Get them. (laughs) Just read Nancy Drew. Like, the trades, the the paperback ones aren't great. Go read the Nancy Drew files. They're delightfully (laughs) Um. All right. Let's move on. I want to play a quick round of Would You Rather because we haven't done that in a little while. Uh, And these are are kind of some gimmies just because I wanted to talk and think about them. Would you rather stay at Solaire or in Boonesboro, Nora Roberts's bed and breakfast. Obviously in Boonesboro. Obviously in Boonesboro. Because obviously no no one was in real life murdered there and is great and I want to go back already. So, yes. Yeah. Well, also if I go to Solaire and they're going to tell me what I need to eat and how I'm supposed to exercise, I'm that type of person where I never want to do something so much as when you tell me not to do it. So I'm not exercising and I'm eating like three people's portions while I'm at Solaire, even if there are no accidents happening. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the food at Boonesboro was so good and much better than what they describe the minimal amount of food they're given at Solaire. In in Boonesboro, big pretzel, I think, would serve, like, the entire dining room at Solaire. They would just get, like, one bite of big pretzel. Yes. <laughs> okay, but I do like the idea of secret chocolate. Like, I will hide candy in my purse so that I purposefully forget about it because then when I find it, it's, like, more delicious because I didn't expect it. So maybe there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I mean, that is the wisdom of Claudia Kishi. <laughs> Truth. All right. 
Uh, how about, would you rather have your personal mystery case solved by Nancy Drew or Trixie Belden? I do think I have to go with Nancy here because she does have a much more, I mean, I haven't read a ton of the Trixie Beldens. I've just read that one. But Nancy's is a little bit more straightforward mystery solving. She's a smidge older and she does have resources of real adults in the world who do like crime adjacent things. Yeah. Yeah. She's got her dad and his paralegals. Yeah. I mean, yes, Nancy drew for me as well, but I feel like I want to be able to have her call Trixie Belden for any sort of like horse related crimes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. If my mystery is a horse mystery, then that does change things, but I don't have a horse. So yet, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I'm going to Nancy for my mystery needs. I do think Trixie would be a better hang, though. Yeah, I but, would I would agree with that. I teach middle school, though, so I don't know if I want to hang out with other children. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess in that scenario, I was imagining if I were Trixie's age, I would rather hang out with Trixie. Okay, yes, that's fair. I'll give you that one, because I bet Nancy Drew was a total stick in the mud in middle school. Absolutely. Yes. A real Theo Boone. <laughs> uh okay finally would you rather and we sort of already touched on this but we just gotta ask would you rather eat solaire's rabbit food or eat it steaks and cakes the fictional restaurant from christian mingle the movie that only serves entire steaks and cakes um i would obviously rather support our beloved sponsor steaks and cakes and eat there than eat the minuscule portions at solaire absolutely i want a cake give me a cake no cake to be had at solaire Um, All right, good game, good game. And now we'll move on to The Rock, Paper, Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Kristen will choose which most enhances the book, or she can just choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. If The Rock were in this book, he would be part of the search and rescue team, which we didn't, like, super get into this. We talked about it a little bit because we were talking about the flash flood in the desert. But the search and rescue team showed up so quickly because – they had already been alerted that there was a lot of heavy rain so that there was a possibility of flash flooding. Uh, And if the rock were there, he would have been way on top of this and he would have known the flash flood was coming and been able to, you know, probably fly a helicopter down through the valley to warn people that the water was coming. And he would see Hank creeping off to the side, ready to grab Kim and kidnap her right before the flood hit. And would notice that something fishy was going on and would be able to intervene and get Kim and Nancy to safety uh, without Kim being kidnapped and without them getting, you know, trapped in a tree or whatever before the flood came. So Nancy would be able to talk to Kim about her suspicions and together they would be able to put together all the pieces of the mystery and figure out what Hank was doing and who the owners of Spa Solaire really were uh, without all of the back and forth and breaking into things. Uh, If Wolverine were in this book, he would just be sort of like out for a solo desert sojourn, just, you know, walking around the desert and thinking his like sad manly thoughts. And then he would hear Kim crying for help and he would, you know, use his keen hearing to track her down and his his sharp claws to break her out of the basement and free her. And then, you know, I don't think he would really get involved beyond that. He would make sure she sort of, you know, got back to town safely or whatever. And then he would like return to his, his solo sojourning as he's 
prone to doing, but it would get Kim out of the basement sooner. Um, and then the rest of the crew wouldn't have to also get briefly held down in the basement by a mentally ill blind woman. And I still, you know, Nancy would still have a lot on her plate to figure out even without the, the Kim kidnapping of it all. So it, you know, the, the mystery still mostly remains intact, which is slightly less suffering. Okay. I always worry because I feel like I have a a bias towards Wolverine. And I like the idea that if he took care of like the whole Kim situation, then Nancy could dive deeper into those energy drinks that seem to be Mm. some sort of problematic stimulant. That being said, the rock really addresses the issue where I felt like I just like blacked out and didn't understand what was happening in the book because it didn't seem to have any continuity. So I think I have to go with the rock in this case. Yeah. I mean, like the rock, I mean, he was, he was an excellent lifeguard in Baywatch. So I think he is ready to be a search and rescue. Also, those are adjacent skills. I buy this. No question. Um, (laughs) Good game, good game. And now it's time for Dorothy's Corner, where my cat Dorothy shares his opinions. Yeah. Like, there just, there simply wasn't any cat content in this book. And there were coyotes, which was a, a sort of fun little red herring, I guess. And a mean guard dog? And a mean guard dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah. a German Shepherd. We skipped him. But you know... I, I think it's too hot in the desert for a cat to really have much to do. And then there wouldn't be any good food for the cat. So as much as I, as much as I love to read about cats and I know you love that representation, I think maybe it is actually for the best that there weren't any cats at Solaire. Yeah. I did like the idea of a cat spa though. That I think could go places. Yeah, for sure. And both like the cats could get their little treatments, but then it could also be kind of like a goat yoga where like humans go and get their treatments and then the cats can like hang out with that. Oh God, I would, I would go to that. That Okay. You and I went different places. Cause I imagined getting a pedicure from a cat and somehow that was appealing to me. <laughs> that, I mean, I mean, I would respect the entrepreneurship and the craft of a cat giving a pedicure with his I guess you'd have to hold the bottle in his mouth, probably. I would support it. Um. Anyway, Dorothy, thank you for that. And don't worry, we will not put you to work in a spa because it will interfere with your, your podcast job. Yes. Okay, do any humans have any closing thoughts about this book? Um, not really. Or Nancy, Nancy Drew at large, I guess. I mean, I have so many thoughts about Nancy yeah. Drew at large, but I'm going to spare you. About this <laughs> book, though, I feel like if it had like 20 more pages it could have really explored some interesting things like I don't know it was it was kind of meh overall but uh-huh. I I feel like it could have been better if it was just a little bit longer yeah and and maybe if there had been some sort of um sensitivity edits regarding uh, disability in particular um, but it was 1993 and no one was doing that shit are you kidding uh yeah this book for as much as it like did live in my head rent free due to exposure to it at the correct time i don't really like it it's not a good book (laughs) and (laughs) and i don't really understand the enduring appeal of nancy drew uh Mm. and i'm so sorry and uh but you know again this is a me problem i don't like mysteries i don't like i don't like them 
unless like you know i think what it is actually is that i only like the lowest of stakes of mystery is like when it's really just sort of like gossip i like gossip i don't like a mystery <laughs> you know um but again i understand abstractly that many many people do like a mystery so fortunately there's plenty of them it's true <sighs> all right um if you want to come find us on social media and, I don't know, share your interpretation of what a cat spa would be, uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Best Sellers Spelled Normally. We are, against all odds, still on Twitter at Worst Best Seller with no S because the S did get swept away in a flash flood. And we've been looking for it, but I don't, I don't know. Don't know if we're going to find it. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all the places where you find podcasts. And if you do find us there, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review, you will be subject to our new nutritional guidelines for the meals that we offer on this podcast. And our doctor has decided that you do need to lose six pounds. So uh, they're going to be pretty tiny portions from here on out. We also have a Patreon available at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Patreon is a service where you offer a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like keep our equipment up to date and keep our website running. And in exchange, there are perks for you like a monthly additional bonus episode about whatever we're into and stickers and postcards in the mail and all sorts of other things that you can find out at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. We also have merch available that you can find linked from worstbestsellers.com where you can find all sorts of designs from our podcast to wear on your body. And uh, finally, we do have a Discord server for folks to chit-chat with other fans of the show. This is also linked at worstbestsellers.com. So uh, come on over and share your thoughts about Nancy Drew or Riverdale or whatever you're watching on television or the latest episodes or pictures of your cats. Please, we could always use more cat pictures, especially. Uh, finally, if you want to come talk to just me, I'm on Twitter still. I, I did get on Blue Sky. I'm on like all of the fake social medias now at Renata Snacks. I don't know why I said fake. I'm on all the social medias at Renata Snacks. I am at 14 across. And Kristen, where can people find you? I'm on YouTube and Instagram primarily as Kristen Sleuth. Kristen spelled with two eyes. Excellent. And perhaps in the future, we will have you back to read one of these pulpy Nancy Drew Files books that I, I do not believe I read as a kid and do sound like they're full of uh, all sorts of teen longing and gossip. Please let me be the person to introduce those to you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I could get into that. That feels it sounds slightly more adjacent to my interests, actually, than this one, even though I picked this one. <laughs> And and here we are. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your Nancy expertise. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I was thrilled to be able to talk about this. Yes. And we are excited to talk about it with you. And as Kristen said, if I because I know we spent more time just being like French people are weird than actually like digging into the Nancy Drew of it all. And so if you do crave more Nancy Drew content, Kristen will provide it for you at the places she just said. And we'll have those linked on our website. Oh, also, we'll have on 
probably the I don't know we'll link on this episode page or whatever we did do a fun Nancy Drew mystery in a box with Kristen that we will post pictures of somewhere we did do that yes and we solved it we did cha-ching um that's not what sound you make when you solve a mystery I don't know (laughs) that's not my listen this is not what sound do you make when you solve a mystery actually I perfect okay we did that um anyway uh thank you Kristen. thank you everyone for listening and we'll be back in two weeks we're having an extra long flashback summer this year because we deserve it and so we'll be back in two weeks with another flashback episode this time talking about anne of green gables by lucy maud montgomery taking it flashing way back and i'm thrilled yay what a good choice yes um all right uh until then bye This is Julian, the Frenchman who makes French pronunciation videos here on YouTube, and we are looking at how to pronounce this French male name, given name, a boy's name, that is fairly common in France, even though it's more for older generations now. But how do you say it? Alain. Alain. Alain is how it's said in France. Alain. And now you know.